In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be analyzing the draw against Juventus, previewing Pordenone and Udinese, Mercato Special with David Amoyal, this week's Mochi, Moratti and Frog, and everything, and, and everything else here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. <laughs> Attenzione Ronaldo salta anche Marchegiani e mette dentro 3-0. Andiamo il principe, entra in aria, è solo, il tiro, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol! Con Ronaldo a battere questo calcio di punizione molto lungo per Zamorano che gira bene al centro, attenzione, il destro, violentissimo! È lo spettacolare gol da parte di Zanetti! La prima squadra che vince qua è la nostra Inter! L'Inter vince! E Dillo, campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! I più forti siamo noi! Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter, a new week, a new episode, and Inter still top of the Serie A, uh, and here to bask in that glory, I'm joined by ESPN's Inter uh, blogger and Calcio Mercato staffer and football co- commentator in French, uh, Monsieur Eduardo Dalmonte. Welcome, Edo. How's it going? How's it going? Yeah, I was thinking, you, since you're the only one on our pod who regularly speaks French, I think, you, you, I think you should be, we should, from now on, you should start talking in French, at least for the first bit, like, introduce yourself in French. Ah, okay. Ça me dérange pas trop, mais bon, j'ai... Inter Milan's... Fre- oh, the Inter Milan, mama. There's a French Inter account that's really good. That's what I was trying to say. Okay. What are And they I called? keep calling them Inter Milan. It's, just, an, it's just a disease. What are they called? Uh, Inter... Uh, I think it's like just Inter Eiffel or something like that. Inter, Inter, I love that. Right, uh, we, are, we are also joined by uh, uh, the social media manager of the Serpents of Madonina account, Mr. Will Beckman. Welcome, Will. Bonsoir. <laughs> we're going uh, to continue this French thing <laughs> because we actually have a native French speaker, uh, the, yeah. the, but you all know him as the... Uh, Uh, English manager of the Gianluca Di Marzio uh, page. Uh, bienvenue, Monsieur David Amoyal. Great to be on, guys. But uh, you're, you're Inter fans. On top of that, you want to speak French? <laughs> you have enough people hating you enough. <laughs> as we, we were thinking it, that we would send this pod to Jan Caramor. <laughs> yeah, I'll joke it aside. It's a real pleasure to be on with you guys. I love what you guys are doing with the podcast and with the site. So a real pleasure to be on. Thank you so much for your kind words, and uh, we love having you on. And especially ahead of the Mercato, we always try to. Uh, we, we really appreciate that you always try to. You always find time to answer our questions. And as always, we have an avalanche of questions coming in uh, for you via our different social media. Yeah, you're a good away fan, David. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you're a favorite away fan. Um, right. Um, let's. Uh, so I say, let's get to it then. Um, let's stop. Uh, let's start with uh, our, our personal questions to you. Uh, um, I before we get to the Mercato side of things, I'd, I want to touch a little bit on the Juve game. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you a little bit. I mean, every season, Allegri is criticized heavily by Juventus fans and and the media to some extent because Juventus always start the season really slowly. But this yeah. this season, sooner than ever during his tenure, it is looking better than ever before. Now, do you, yeah. I was looking, I was thinking of this, that, you know, last season you were looking fantastic. This season they're looking really good defensively as a team uh, this early. And if, uh, going forward they're looking really good 
whilst Dybala is out of form, what is your assessment of, of, of Allegri? Because in my opinion, this is, this is the biggest chance that Juventus have had of winning the Champions League for a very long time. Well, you know, you know, I always challenge Juve fans, you know, if you're worried in mid-November, that's usually probably <laughs> a good sign, right? Because uh, Allegri is like a diesel motor built for the long run. He always uh, incorporates his new players rather slowly, always try to have the peak performance later in the season. And, you know, from my perspective, when I look at Juve, uh, this summer, to me, the shift went from being really focused on having the best defense to trying to really, really improve the offense, because usually the teams that win the Champions League win it with great attacks. So Juve's defense, not surprisingly, with Bonucci gone, struggled at first, but now they've had five clean sheets in a row. A lot of these matches were against some top teams. We're starting to see good flashes from Douglas Costa, Bernardeschi, even De Ciglio, which seems incredible to say. Benatia looks like the player he was at Roma. So I think Juve fans should be very happy for where uh, things are at. They're out of the group stage in the Champions League. Got a fairly good draw against uh, Spurs. Uh, you know, against Inter, granted, you know, there's a lot of regret for some Juve fans for not winning the match. But when you look at Juve playing these three big games against Napoli, Olympiacos, and Inter, you would have taken... Uh, two out of three wins and getting out of the group stage, regardless of where they came. So I think Juve fans should be very happy. By the same token, Inter fans should be thrilled with how things are going, that's for sure. Nice one. I agree. Um, right, I'm going to pass you on to Edo, uh, and then Will, and then we're going to get to the re uh, listeners' questions. So, Edo, shoot. Okay. Uh, do you mind if I go first? Is that all right? Go uh, for it. Go for it. Go um, for it. That, I was, I was going to ask you exactly about that, really. So, do you think at this stage you can say that Juve's summer mercato is paying off? Because I really liked most of the signings, but Douglas Costa is only beginning to show it, I don't know, last month or so. We've seen some good yep. stuff from him. Bernardeschi uh, fits and starts. I'm still worried the defence is going to collapse. Well, not collapse so much as two guys are old. Benatia always seems to be injured. This season, he's been... Well, last few weeks he's been mercifully sort of in good shape, but Rugani as well. Do you think it was a right idea to trust those guys, especially Rugani? Uh, um, do you think they should have brought someone else in? Well, I'll tell you, I'm not the biggest Rugani fan out there. Um, you know, all this thing of him never getting yellow cards at Empoli, a lot of people saw that as a positive. Me as a defender, I don't necessarily see that as a positive, but I think he's been okay. Uh, this season, I think, you know, Juve was banking a lot on Benatia, you know, having a revival. And I think as yeah. long as he can stay healthy and play the way he has, I think he's a very good replacement for Bonucci. Of course, Barzagli is a year older. Chiellini keeps having uh, the injury issues that he has. But I guess, you know, if you hope that at least two out of these four players... Uh, at any given point, can be productive, I think they can be okay. You know, Hoedes was brought in as a last resort, someone that could cover a lot of different roles. He's barely been able to play. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, Juve probably has enough um, on defense, assuming, again, the two out of the four. They have four starting caliber center backs, can be in good form at a time. I do think Juve, though, is considerably better up front than they've ever been, uh, you know, since Calciopoli, at least. 
So, you know, it's a gamble for sure, but I understand what Juve was doing uh, going into the summer. I think it would have been very hard-pressed to find a defender of Bonucci's caliber, so I think uh, to buy from another club, so I can kind of see the gamble of going uh, with Benatti and Rugani instead. Okay, yeah, that's interesting, that's interesting, because uh, I'm always banking on, you know, obviously he's Juve, but I want Rugani to be good, because it's Rugani and Romagnoli. I want Romagnoli yeah. to be bad enough so that Inter can get him, according to the latest rumors, <laughs> and then... Because I think they're good players. I mean, especially Romagnoli. But uh, yeah, so, for me, yeah, the one that I the one that I really like is Caldara. I was just going to say Atalanta, that. Yeah, but next year. But he's the one I said of those three between Rugani, Romagnoli, and Caldara. If I had to bet on one, he'd probably be the one that I'd go on. And it seems like so is Juve, but that I won't be till next season. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think Caldara is looking really, really good. Uh, yeah. Right, Will. Uh, well, I agree with that, actually. Um, although I would just say that Caldara, we haven't seen him playing for Milan or Juve yet, like we have with Romagnoli and Rugan. So, yeah. always a question mark when you go up to a bigger club. Um, That's true. That's true. That's true. But, um, but the one thing he does have in that the other two don't is that he's, he's basically the bomber of Atalanta's team because they don't <laughs> score with any of their centre-forwards. <laughs> they have more goal-scoring defenders than they have goal-scoring attackers. But anyway, that's another issue. My question... <coughs> well, yeah, Patania. Um... My question was about the January transfer window, which yeah. um, seems quite topical. Um, yeah. Firstly, do you think that this, this season's transfer window in January is going to be, in Serie A, I mean, not, not across all of Europe, just talking about Serie A, is going to be any different to what it was last year? Because last year, apart from you know, Gagliardini, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the only really sort of important signing that I can remember from last year, certainly amongst the top teams. You know, yeah. Other than that, it was... You know, Rincon, who must have played about 20 minutes in the whole season, Paboletti even less. Um, It didn't actually have any difference on what was going on at the top. Do you think actually there's going to be some deals that could affect this ridiculously tight title race? Or do you think it's going to be sort of minor deals that people will sort of be looking to complete their squads and nothing else? It's a good question. Now, you know, as you guys know, in Italy, they call the January window il mercato di riparazione, so the time where you look to repair things, maybe not make big changes or groundbreaking moves. But as you mentioned, there's such a tight race at the top in Serie A. We have, you know, at least three, maybe four teams, if you want to count Roma, in the mix for the Scudetto. We have Lazio, Sampdoria you know, who could have aspirations for trying to sneak into the Champions League. Milan, of course, has a lot of reasons for wanting to get back to the Champions League. Granted, they're far behind now. So on paper, that to me uh, would tell me that there's a good chance that we could see a lot of moves. And then the other thing that helps if you're in the camp that this January window will be more exciting is you look uh, Roma got out of the group stage in the Champions League. Juve was almost a given. They've done it in years past. So you got those two. We have all the teams in the Europa League that qualified. So, you know, maybe they'll have more incentive uh, to try to make moves. Uh, Inter's been pretty lucky as far as not having injuries, but other clubs have had a few. So, you know, for someone like me that's in the business of covering this, I, I can see a lot of reasons why January, this window, will be different. So I, I think there'll be a decent amount of activity. I think to enter what they did with Gagliardini showed the blueprint that with these two-year loan deals with a forced option to buy, you can get a little bit creative if you don't have the money up front to make moves. So, yeah, I'm hoping long and short of it, this will be a little bit more exciting than what we saw in years past. 
Good. Let's, let's hope so. <laughs> right. Let's, let's there's a two-week break this year, so if there's no important deals going on, we're going to be bored out of our minds in that fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Di is going to have nothing to say on his TV show. They're just going to be talking about who is Fowler signing on loan. It's going to be... Richard Romano has something to say, though. It's all right. So. <laughs> right. Uh, that's a good segue into the part where we've got, uh, we've got loads of questions coming in. Uh, let's start with Twitter. Uh, we got a question awesome. from... We've got a, a question from at Inter158 uh, asking uh, uh, the Brazilian Adriano Imperatore uh, is, uh. is seriously talking about making a return. Can you imagine him being Inter's vice Icardi or maybe go to Parma on loan? What do you think? I mean, that would be fantastic. I would love to see him back in Serie A. I think it would be fantastic for Zanetti's restaurant in Milano if he wanted to come back to Inter. Um, look, you wow. know, I wish him the best. He's really a talented player. I'm just not sure if, you know, this is the best situation would be for him to come straight to Italy. But look, you know, all joking aside, I am rooting for him. You guys know even better than I how great he was when he first came on the scene. So, you know, uh, there's few things that I enjoy more than a redemption story. So I would love to see it. But I think before he can think of like a club like Enter, let's see him maybe do it at a place with a little bit less pressure and maybe a place where he can play regularly. Because if I'm Enter, I try to keep Icardi on the pitch as much as I can. Mm, nice one. Let's move on to another question from Twitter. At HM Interista, Edwin Goodwin asks us, what, or ask you, rather, what, do you, what, what player or players are Inter missing to avoid looking the way they did against Juve on Saturday? And what should be the focus transfer-wise in January for Inter? So I, I try not to focus too much on one game. I thought Inter, especially in the first half, was pretty good. We've seen a lot of other teams struggle much more at Juve Stadium. I think for Inter, what's really encourages and they've had these three away games against top teams, Roma, Napoli, and Juve, right. haven't lost any of them. There's a lot of reason for optimism. So I think even in the summer, you know, a lot of people wanted Inter to make more moves. But I think then in the end, retaining Perisic was better than any move they could have done. So when I look in January, I kind of like uh, the starting 11 as is. I think you definitely need more depth. I mean, Inter, uh, on one hand, they don't have the European competition. That's something they can control, and that will continue in January. But they've been fairly healthy. They haven't had any injuries. I think Ranocchia only started that one match, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you are going to yep. need more depth, especially on defense. I, I think, you know, as far as the fullback positions, which would be the other place that I look, you know, Spalletti seems to have a little bit more confidence in Dalbert. You know, Cancelo started with that injury. On the bright side, you've had D'Ambrosio and now Santon really ma- looking much better under Spalletti, so I wouldn't really revolutionize too much, but I'd really look to bring more depth to the defense, and I would, if I was in there, I'd try to get another creative, um, you know, offensive midfielder. Pastore would be terrific, you know, he's a player that Sabatini certainly has liked uh, for a long time, then there's the Ramirez that plays for the Sunings club in China, so maybe a player like that, maybe another option on the wings. I think Kandreva and Perisic have been both excellent. They maybe could use 
little more of a backup. Maybe Cancelo can play there up front. We can see more from Caramal. So I would really look at depth and maybe a starting caliber offensive uh, midfielder because I think the starters on defense, uh, assuming Dalbert can also be in that mix, look pretty good. But they definitely need more options. Feel to me, Inter can really only count on 13, 14 players. And great that they've done so well, but you can't do a full season that way. That's, uh, that's, uh, that, lies, that leads us really nicely, uh, segue into the next question coming from <clears throat> Facebook from Samuel Grech, who asks us, which midfield player is the most realistic option, Pastore, Teixeira or Ramirez? Uh, which is uh, kind of what, uh, <clears throat> sorry, which is kind of what uh, Gautam Paudi Bidri is also asking, uh, should Inter go for Pastore or Di Maria or both with João Mari going the other way? Uh, starting with that first one, Pastore, Teixeira or Ramirez? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to be honest, I haven't watched, of course, the Sharon Ramirez in China on paper, though, you know, they have the qualities that Inter needs. I think Pastora has got a little bit of experience in Serie A already, would be ideal. Um, I think, you know, to, to get someone like him, uh, you know, on a top European club, either Inter can do another creative deal like they did with Gagliardini with the two-year loan deal, or have to swap. Juan Mario, to me, he's really the player that holds the keys to Inter's January transfer window. You guys know Inter has said repeatedly they have to still be sensitive to the financial fair play parameters. They kind of have to finance moves. So, you know, Juan Mario counts at least $30 million in amortized value. you got to find a club willing to pick that up or swap uh, players for that. Uh, you know, there's people reporting Manchester United could be interested in Jamario. They have some offensive midfielders that might be available. Of course, they have Darmian as well. Um, I think that's another avenue to look, of course, with Mourinho there that could only help facilitate a deal uh, with Inter. So I will say, though, uh, what's great to me if I was an Inter fan, I think Inter goes into this January window in a position of strength, and that's something we wouldn't have been able to say in years past, that's for sure. I see this uh, quite a different situation than in previous years where they were desperate to make deals to get back on track. Mm. And that you kind of answered the next question, but he, he's, he's like it's a three-part question from Sandro Angelucci on Facebook, who uh, was asking about budget-wise in the upcoming Mercato. It's sell to buy. Will it be loans with obligation to buy? You kind of answered that, but he also asks, how likely is it that Bastoni will join us now from Atalanta? Well, that's an intriguing option. Um, you know, he's a highly rated prospect. They already own him. I just don't know, you know, if it makes sense to move him if you're not going to play him at all. And I guess he could play on the Primavera team for Inter. You know, when I think of the type of center back that they need, I would look more for like a veteran. He's really more an eye for the future. But that's certainly possible. I mean, keep in mind, Gagliardini at first, uh, that was supposed to be a deal for the summer and they anticipated the move to January so maybe it'll be kind of along those lines again nice one uh, we have a question <clears throat> from Christoph Molnar who asks us are is Shime Versalco and uh, Atletico's Jimenez any options for January for Inter um, you see, I'm surprised that Inter hasn't been linked more to Versalico. Yeah, it's a yeah. player they uh, liked for a while, even with Sassuolo. They have a good relationship with his agent as well. Napoli seems to be the team that's most active trying to get him, and I would say they need him a lot more than Inter right now. But he's a player that's always been an Inter side. I know in the past he was fairly open 
to the deal. So more than Jimenez, I think he's realistic. I know Atletico Madrid's looking to extend uh, Jimenez' deal. I think he'll, if he's sold, that wouldn't be in January and that'd be for a huge fee. But maybe in the summer, that's a player that Inter tries to target to be a long-term partner to screen here because that would be really an intriguing uh, duo. Uh, starting, I think, though, for January, Versalco is more of a realistic target for Inter or maybe for another Serie A team. Uh, Alan Bjereskov asks us on, um, uh, on Facebook, most realistic centre-back backup target? Because obviously with Van Huysden being injured, uh, yeah. us, what do you say? Well, I try to think of the ones that enter targeted in the summer, and there's Mangala at Manchester City. He's barely played. I think that's a player that could make sense. I know they tried to get Mustafi from Arsenal. That might be a little bit more unrealistic. I could see Manchester City being more interested in a loan type of deal. So I would say Mangala is a player to watch. I was trying to think, you know, Inter does a lot of business with Sampdoria. Could there be a player there on defense, maybe Sylvester that they look at? So um, I think, you know, it would kind of have to be more of a backup type because Miranda and Skriniar are as good a duo as there is in Serie A together right now in a four-man defense. Uh, so I would say Mangala makes a lot of sense to me. Again, a player they went after in the summer and who hasn't played much recently. <clears throat> nice one. Uh, we have a question here uh, from Oakley Bestia on uh, Facebook. What's your general feeling about the Condogbia case? Like mm. him leaving, because it is a good player. Yeah. So I'll tell you this. I always was, a, I mean, the limited times that I watched, uh, watched him play, I remember the under-20 World Cup a while back when Pogba won player of the tournament, and I thought Kondogobia was just as good as him. When I watched him in the Champions League with Monaco against top teams, he was excellent. Uh, you know, I would have been very curious to see what Spalletti would have done for him. In a way, you know, if I'm an Interista, when I see what he's done with Santon, with Candreva, with D'Ambrosio, I'm like, geez, you know, what could he have done with Condogobbia? But he desperately uh, needed a change of scenery. I'm not surprised he's doing well where he is. On the bright side for Inter, he's playing so well that at least be able to make their money back on him. Maybe Cancelo then ends up staying or he goes back or whatnot. So at least Inter isn't taking a loss for uh, on him. I just have the regret that we never seem to have had the chance to see him with Spalletti. I would have been really curious to see what happens there. Uh, but, you know, Inter's had this track record of so many talented players <laughs> flopping and doing well at other clubs. But, you know, assuming Spalletti stays long-term and there's no reason not to think that's not going to be the case, I mean, this, this trend should really end because I can't think of a coach in Serie A maybe other than Sarri who's better at getting out of the players that he has than Spalletti. Couldn't agree with you more there. Um, there's, uh, we have a question from our own uh, chief uh, uh, news editor, Cami Anderson, and it's a question that a lot of people have been wondering, and it's a question that's been discussed heavily re recently. And it's this thing about Icardi's uh, release yeah. clause. Do you think that Inter will give him a new contract with an upped release clause or no release clause at all? Great question. So here's the thing. Like, release clause, you know, are usually part of negotiations between the agent and the club. Like, it's a give and a take. Usually agents want the release clause as part of the bargaining position. The key thing, too, with a release clause is if the player wants to leave or not. And look, right now, Icardi's release clause, of, I think it's around 110 million euro. When you look at the prices that we saw in the summer, 
that's an incredible bargain for a striker as good as he is. But the key is, you know, is would he accept the transfer? And, you know, he hasn't left Inter in years past when the team wasn't very good. I don't see him. I don't see why he'd want to leave now that the team is great. So uh, I think he'll likely get another raise. And this is what the third uh, contract extension he'd be getting in like the past three years. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but it seems all the time these transfer rumors come up on him. They're really more leverage for a yeah. new contract. So I expect, you know, Icardi to sign a new deal. If there's an exit clause, it certainly will be a lot more than what it's now. But then ultimately it comes down to if he would accept the transfer or not. So I think Inter fans should feel really good uh, about him staying long-term just based on the fact that he could have left when the team wasn't good and now they are good. They have a coach that really could get the most out of it. I mean, the only exception I'd make would be maybe Real Madrid, but that's certainly not something in January. I see these tweets on a medical and that he's leaving in January. I mean, that seems completely insane to me. Uh, but, you know, if I had to bet on it, I could see Cardi staying long-term at Inter because, again, the tides turned at the club and he decided to stay when the situation was far worse. Mm, true. We have, a, we have a question regarding another uh, sorrow child uh, of Inter's. Um, Budi Santoso asks us on uh, Facebook, reports from Portugal claim that Benfica are set to terminate Gabriel Barzosa. <laughs> and I love this no. part. I love this part. A.K.A. Gabigol. <laughs> uh, the artist formerly known as Gabigol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, He's been Benfica, stripped of his title. That Benfica is, uh, are, are going to terminate his loan spell. If he does return in January, what are the ch- I mean his chances? Uh, what are his chances of staying at Inter? And w- now that the what is the best scenario for him? It's a tough one. I haven't watched him play at all um, at Benfica. He's not. <laughs> he really has. The, the, yeah, I know, right? He's not really the type of guy you'd want backing up Icardi. You'd want someone that's at least reliable. So, I, I mean, to me at this point, probably the best option would be to send them back to Brazil or something. I mean, unless you could get a lower, like a Benevent or a team like that to take him on loan, so at least you see what he has in Italy. Unfortunately, this looks like um, the really type of Oggetto Misterioso, not even a bust. Like this, the other word in Italian is Oggetto Misterioso, mysterious object, a player that just arrives. You have no idea about what they actually were because they never get on the pitch for whatever reason. So unfortunately, at this point, if I was in there, it's going to be hard to make back his amortized value. But, um, you know, I'd get him out of Benfica. It hasn't worked out there. And then maybe try to get him to a lower tier Serie A team so at least he can try here. If not, unfortunately, you got to take your losses and uh, send them back to Brazil. Mm-hmm. For me, I've always said since day one, this is a... This is a this is a high this is a basically Inter did another Vampeta here if you remember him this is yeah. this is this is yeah, just, God in heaven yeah yeah so now to me this is just uh, Kia Girovci and ripping Inter well, Vampeta done it in Holland so at least he had he had more he had more of a CV even than this guy true true right uh, we have two more questions regarding you because I know you got to run thank you so much for staying on yeah. these ones are about um, the uh, uh, starting with this one uh, on Facebook from uh, Sandro Mehic. Inter have drawn against Naples, uh, against Napoli and Juventus, both away games, not conceding, yeah. not, not conceding a goal. Is it, are Inter re- can we start calling Inter a challenger for the Scudetto? 
Yeah, and then I would add that they won against Roma, the Olimpico, too. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, right? Because part of me, you know, would have said a few weeks ago, if you're Inter, would you sign right now for third place? And this was like a few weeks ago, and part of me would have said, yeah, they might as well. But you look at how Serie A is going this season. I had high hopes for Napoli, but I really think they are really on the way down. I'm not sure they can get... Uh, back up you know Roma's now still in the Champions League Juve is still Juve if I was Inter you know there's really nothing wrong with trying to go all in there's a lot of parallels to this season to Conte's first year at Juve so um, I always said that I would know a lot about Inter after that match against Juventus just like I know a lot about Napoli after that match against Juve and it's hard not to leave those two matches having more faith in Torrenter. So I'll tell you this, I'm not sure if they're a legit title contender, but if I had to tell you which team right now is going to pose the biggest threat to Juve the rest of the way in Serie A, it'd be hard not to answer Inter. So uh, that's my answer to that. But they've, had, they've done very well on three away matches against three of the top teams and arguably the three other best teams in Serie A. That's got to count for a lot. And in the Second half of the season, they'll have all those matches at home, which in and of itself is a big advantage. That's true. One last question comes from Twitter. At InterClubNW says, do you guys feel that during Juve Inter, that Inter could actually win the match towards the end? Well, I actually felt like Inter in the first half was doing better. In the second half, I felt like Juve maybe could have done a little bit more, you know, Juve had played against Olympiacos and Napoli, so, and, you know, of course, Juve had all those great players on the bench that they brought in the second half, so I will say that, in general, Inter did better than I expected at Juve Stadium, but after I watched Juve against Napoli and getting out of the group stage and knowing what I know about it, what you guys also know about Allegri's team, I would have to say they're the favorites in the long run. But again, I go back to just the fact that Inter's clearly the top contender for them. Um, so I'm very curious to see what Inter's going to do in the second half of the season with all these games at home, that's for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on, David. It's a huge... Uh, we're really grateful. And i got to also give a shout-out to your podcast, Calcioland, which I think is excellent. I'm uh, one of the regular listeners, and I can really recommend it to everyone. I think you and Alex do a fantastic job. Awesome. Well, a real pleasure to be on with you guys. Keep up the outstanding work. I think uh, Sempre Inter is as great a team-specific website as there is on there. I love the podcast. So keep up the good work, guys, and thanks so much for having me on. That's at David Amoyal. Uh, thank you again for coming on, David. Thanks, uh, dude. Thanks, thanks David. Guys. Uh, that's at David Amoyal on Twitter, if you want to shout at him. Um, and, uh, well, there you have it. Um, Interoris Scudetto contender. <laughs> well, if there is only one transfer that happens this January, I swear, I hope with all my heart that it's Gabby Gold to Benevento. That would be, that would be <laughs> incredible. Then we'd have a full team, or not full team, but we could have, in our bed events, just imagine, you'd have Bellet in goal, Pushkas yep. up front, Gabby goal on the left. I mean, we've got an inter-C team in the making there. And just the fact that it's Benevento too, um, I don't know. I just can't. I think Gabby no. goal scores the winner against Milan. The return <laughs> Yeah, the return <laughs> <leg>. <laughs> What's weirder, Brignoli scoring the winner, or...? 
for Gabby well, Gold. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I thought we'll get. You know, I thought we'd get back to the the, the transfer stuff for next. No, week. no, let's let's yeah, let's, let's do that. I, th- I thought I thought we'd get back to the transfer stuff yeah. next week when we yeah. have Marco Palmieri on uh, to do a season review uh, of uh, of like who we wish to see, etc., etc. So let's get to the Juve game, and I got to tell you, um, I for me it was like this. I thought Inter pressed Juve very well. Uh, for the first 20 minutes and didn't cre- let Juve to create anything. But on the other hand, Juve completely, Allegri completely shut Inter's movements going forward down. Uh, and what I found a bit annoying was that the more, the, the more time went, the more Juve took, uh, took over the game. I, I read a lot of, uh, stupid, uh, to, in my opinion, quite ridiculous comments about in, in Juventus playing Catenaccio at home. No, they weren't. They were. They were just. You know, they they were allowing Inter to come at them and then hurt them and then dominate it for the entire for the for the better part of the first half and then the second half. Uh, so it, it was just. A, it was a ta- it was a tactical decision by Allegri, which, in all honesty, any other day it would have paid off because Mandzukic missed too many chances, which he usually scores. Uh, so it was an anomaly that you, you that that Juventus didn't score. But look, uh, having said that. I, I'm a, this is the first match in which I'm a little bit critical of, of Spalletti, and that's the fact that I feel that he, he looked completely unable to change the match, especially in the second half. His first, his first change came because he was forced to make it when Dalbert came on for Santon because he was injured, which wasn't really of his making. It was, he was forced to do it because Santon was injured. And then finally, when Brozovic was was moved out to another to the wing in the 67th minute uh, when um, oh, I can't remember who came on. Uh, yeah, sorry, Gagliardini came on. Then we finally got a hold of Juve, but by then it was too late because by all by all you know by all accounts, Manjuki should have scored two goals by then, but he didn't. So that was lucky. You, do you guys agree with that? What do you say, Edo? You don't sound like you agree with that. No, I don't because well, yeah, they had two chances, but it's not. I wouldn't compare it to say how Inter would have played. I, I don't believe that Juve sieged Inter. Mandzukic had two chances, yeah, sure. But one was the same, one was cleared off the line. He hit the bar, but... I mean, if you go to Juve and you say, yeah, Mandzukic had two big chances and he didn't take them, that's it. I'd be pretty happy with that. And uh, yeah, Gaglia should have come on a lot earlier. I think Brozovic was pretty much wasted out there. I mean, or he was wasting Inter, I'm not sure. They're both applicable. But the point is, yeah, I, I, I think you come away with it. Yeah, we could have done more, sure. Uh, this Catanacci stuff is nonsense because I think Allegri shut us down. That is true. But I don't know. You come out of Juventus saying, like, yeah, Mandzukic had two chances. That's it. Because after that, I don't really see that many great opportunities. And I thought Inter Milan played the ball quite decently. Uh, I think Juve were kind of afraid of what we could do as well. Having a midfielder like Borja Valero who can ping it around is really important as well because suddenly we're not the bluffers who go to the J Stadium, we boot the ball away and let Juve come at them again. So I think that there there was more to be positive about maybe than the way you put it. But that said, yeah, Juve still were in control. But I don't know. I've seen Juve go away and play games like that and get more praise than, say, we're giving into right now, maybe. That's fair That's enough. Fair. Will? Well, I mean, if Juventus won with everything they created, it wouldn't have been... It wouldn't have been out of context with the game that we saw. I mean, there's no, no. doubt that they created more than, that, uh, more than us. I mean, I think... Uh, <laughs> I struggle to give into too much credit for the first 25 minutes because it looked as if Allegri was pretty happy with, what, with the, where the game was going. You know, Juve were not dangerous, but we, were, we weren't much more dangerous with our possession. You know, it was very sterile. You know, it took 23 minutes for us to, to, to play a successful pass in a central area when 
Brozovic played the ball to Vecino and it took 27 minutes for Kandreva to get in behind Azamoa with the cross that Chiellini cleared. <laughs> Other than that, in the first half hour in which we played well and we kept Juve far away from our goal, nothing actually happened. You know, I felt like that was, that was Allegri respecting Inter and getting pretty much what he wanted. And I mean, you know, when they accelerated afterwards, they were much, they were much better. So, I mean, even though the result favours Spalletti because this is a result that's better for us than it is for Juve uh, Allegri won the battle if you like between him and Spalletti because Spalletti what was curious about this game was that Spalletti did not want to play that kind of game at all you know it was obvious he tried to send messages to his team before during and after the game that that wasn't the game he wanted to play and that was not that was the game that we ended up playing because you know we weren't we, we didn't seem to have the courage that I thought maybe maybe we would have having already gone away to Napoli and shown shown that we could, you know, we could hold our own against one of these big teams away from home. Um, I mean, just to comment on the game itself, I thought it was like a, a 1970s match from the Serie A. It was really old school, physical, tactical. Yeah. Two coaches that were trying to shut down their opponents before going for it themselves. Neither forwards having a kick. It was really, it was kind of just, it was like a, it's like the opposite of a greatest hit, a worst hit of Serie A. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, I, thought, I heard somebody say yesterday on the radio that it was boring, but beautiful. Number one, I don't know how that works. Number two, it wasn't beautiful. It was very, very stodgy. But, I mean, that's what we thought the game was going to be. You know, we thought this was going to be a game where neither team scored many goals. And at the end, it'd be decided by, you know, an episode, as they say. Um, I'd like to I mean, build on what you said. Sorry, I just I'd like to build on what you said there because I agree 100% with that analysis. I thought Allegri was in complete control of this game, and that's kind of where I mean where my criticism against Paletti is uh, in this particular game. The fact that he was unable because Brozovic was completely lost for the, for 70 minutes in the middle of the so pitch. lost. I mean, he had uh, the reason why I say I think he did better on the wing is because when Dalbert came on and he went on the right side on Inter's, uh, on Inter's left hand side and him and Perisic started switching wings, that's when, that's when we finally got, a con, got control of Cuadrado, who for, seven, who for 70 minutes was picking out passes like he was Pirlo, which, which is really annoying, you know. You cannot give a player like Cuadrado all that time. And Spalletti seemed completely unable and a, bit, a little bit dumbfounded to change that, the, the way that looked. And that's, what, that, that's where this frustration comes from, uh, in my opinion, that he looked completely unable to change how, it, how the game was, was, was being played. Edo? Well, yeah, so there is something like that, but I think with Spalletti... So, I will say, um, Spalletti's previous trips to Juventus with Roma weren't particularly positive ones. The first one, you could maybe let him off because he'd just taken over, but last season as well, when Allegri accelerated, which in this game was very early on, yeah, Spalletti didn't have an answer. And actually, Roma created very little in that game. And he, he lined up Gerson, which got on a lot of people's nerves because in that particular game, Gerson didn't really do anything. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if maybe Allegri is more of the improviser and Spalletti can be more of a sort of, look, I want these guys to learn how to play each other. I want the system to generally work and I want to trust my players. Whilst Allegri will work sort of... I mean, they both work maniacally on their guys, but maybe... Allegri is like better at improvising a game plan for a specific opponent and and adapting because it's true. I, I, I know that I don't see with Brozovic, man. I mean, Brozovic would be really good if we were playing that Nike cage game from 2002. And it was like, <laughs> right, I need a guy who can do things. Yeah. Or I don't know. You're in that stadium with Figo and Ronaldo. I need, I need, <laughs> I, I just need a gazer who's got good feet. Yeah. 
then you bring in Brozovic, but this is 11s, <laughs> and he just looks lost. He really does look. He had one chance in that game. He should have been the second half sub, because then he would have come on, and he would have maybe buried that chance. And there, we've got to point out, that was Inter's only chance. That was a shot that went wide, like really wide. That was our only. So yeah, what you guys are saying, I think is very understandable and very true to a point. Uh, to a large extent, it's, it's accurate. I would just be a bit more positive because... I still let feel me, that... You know, no, I'm, not, I'm positive, I, by the way. I'm not, being, I'm not negative about this game. I'm quite happy. Let me, let me, let me play no. the devil's advocate a little bit. Negative Nancy. Let me play the devil's advocate a little bit here and say that I think that Inter were actually in this game. Inter were lucky to get a point and that in, in a kind of way, Inter stole a point, if you allow me to make that pun. At oh, wow. Here. <laughs> because... <laughs> no, but, the <laughs> no, but the reason I say that is because if you look at uh, not just the first half clear chances, I mean, if you look at when, how many times Mandzukic completely had D'Ambrosio in his back pocket, winning every single challenge, bull- really bullying D'Ambrosio, and you have, you have Quadrado on the other side also bullying uh, Santon and any other day they would have scored those goals. Well, didn't. Like they didn't. That's what I mean. But that was more due to like, to to inco- you know to to poor finishing. Uh, we took away part. the guy who does all the finishing, and that's Gonzalo Higuain. That, that's that was that was Miranda and, and Skriniar. They did fantastically well. I'm just saying that we were a little bit lucky to get that point because I don't even think that's that many chances. Like yeah, I I can imagine say. This wasn't, okay, for those Mancini comparisons with 2015 uh, 16, right? We'd have lost 4-0. We're lucky to get away with points because the goal would be under siege. It was some sort of messy medieval battle in our box in which Andanovic had to like <laughs> jump everywhere. Murillo was suited because his mistakes were sort of overshadowed by the fact that he would come out and basically decapitate someone and they'd be like, oh, Giza! Um, those, I think, were games. I, we went to Bergamo that year and drew 1-1. That was like, you know, I mean, we were lucky to get away with a point because you see goal line clearances. Okay, you saw one here, but what I mean to say is that you got the feeling that they could have had way more. Here, Juve had, yeah, they had two sort of big moments. That's it. I mean, yeah, they had a few other chances, but they weren't really like the kind of glaring ones that you go, oh, we're lucky. Yeah, there was, there was never a chance where I thought, oh my God, how's he missed that? There were a lot of good chances. Like, for instance, the only, the, the best the best chance they had that I can remember at least was the double after the well, after the two the two for Manzel which you know there was the, there was the um, there was the one early on where he Hanadovic saved it and Miranda cleared off the line because there was a there's a deflection on the cross and Skriniar missed the clearance and there was the header which was a difficult header and hit the top of the crossbar I mean it wasn't it wasn't a miss it was an unbelievable miss from Manzel exactly there was the there was the cross in the second half where he didn't control it it came off his knee and it went to Handanovic and then the other one was the Kadira shot where there was a bit of a mess in the box Handanovic yeah. punched it out and Kadira put it just wide. And there was the, the one where Perisic almost scored an own goal. But that was, I think that was going over anyway, and Handanovic tipped it over. So, yeah. I forgot well, what my point was at the start of this sentence, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's completely... Yeah, I, I didn't, look, if this was a boxing match, Juventus would have won. On point, they did more than us. Yeah. But, that, but they are Juventus. They have, not kept, they have not conceded a goal for five games now. They have the man who last week we praised as being the best match coach in Italy, if not the best match coach in Europe. They have, they're on a great run. They went to Napoli last weekend and hardly conceded anything to them when they were at home, when they were under pressure for most of the game, but not really under pressure, if you see what I mean. They didn't really concede much to them either. You know, the best chance in the second half of that game was Matuidi in the second half with the save from Reina. You know, 
I expected a little bit more, but I'm not, I wouldn't go as far to say that Inter were lucky to get a point. You know, I never thought that Inter were completely all over the place. I thought they were kind of suffering il giusto, you know, like, as they say, like the right, it was, it was acceptable. They were, yeah. I never thought, oh my God, we're going to concede. I just thought, we're not going to score. You know, and the way that the game was going, the maximum we could have got was a nil-nil draw. So... In that sense, you can criticise Inter's performance because they weren't courageous enough and because they weren't precise enough on the counter I think that was the point that Spalletti was making afterwards. He said, he said, the ball wasn't singing, our passes were all muffled, which I thought was a quite nice line. When he was talking about <laughs> how many, how many, when we broke, and I was watching, I was watching the game against it, we had a lot of chances that we could have broken. Um, Perisic would give the ball to a Juventus defender or the pass would be, but the players weren't really concentrated in the right moment to give to find a teammate, and Juventus kept the pressure on. But even even in the middle of that pressure, I didn't think it was an, I didn't think it was a siege. You know, I, Handanovic didn't make an incredible save. He made lots of good saves. I mean, four or five that I'd expect Handanovic to make. Yeah, now, I'm not seeing this luck. I mean, maybe on another day they would have won, and if they had won, we wouldn't have been able to say anything, you know, it would have been fair. But, you know, there, there are positives here. I mean, we would never have been able to play that badly in attack and draw nil-nil in another year. Yeah, you know, that's true. That's very true. You know, and this that is, is and the fact that we were, and the fact that we were so poor in attack was almost, that, that was almost what made the defending more impressive because there was no respite for the defence. They had to stay concentrated for 20, you know, that 25 minute period in the second half. There was no respite. They had, if they'd, you know, they didn't present Juve with a chance on goal. They didn't mess up, mess up a pass in their own box and put them straight through on goal. Everything was, was kind of under control, I thought, apart from this bloody Quadrado Manzokic ball, which was like a, I don't know, it was, it was like seven or eight times in the same game, you saw the same ball just going over the top and, and we couldn't seem to stop it. But, you know, I thought that we were solid. We could have lost, but we were solid. And, you know, drew nil-nil against Juventus. That's that's absolutely true. I mean, I don't want you to under, I don't want you to think that I'm like uh, being negative. I'm just saying that it's I mean, too late. I don't think yeah. you love this too enough. I don't, yeah, think I, you're much, I don't think you're as much of a geezer as we are either. Yeah, I think so as well. I think no, you've got many right. things wrong with you. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like I, I for me, it's like being criticizing. I mean, I, I'm I'm really against this kind of. North Korean praising just because I love Inter doesn't mean that you can ever criticize them for anything. This kind of all hail leaders Spalletti. I don't know. Um, no, but okay, like, yeah. <laughs> Funny no, you should mention North Korea. Did you see? Yeah, the, I, the know, I know. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about that later. We're going to oh, talk about that. Okay. Later. Okay. Um, no, but seriously, um, basically, like for me, it was like I like what I mean. I've said it a hundred times on this show before. Spalletti, what Spalletti is, is the best signing Inter have made in almost a decade. There's no doubt about that. He's changed the mentality. But I feel that he did kind of expose, I mean, looking forward for Inter to take the next step, I felt that a little bit of what, is, what, what, what limits Paletti was on display against Juventus. That, that's the kind of, the fact that he seems, there is no plan B. Now, a lot of, you know, you could counter-argue that by saying that, well, this squad does not, possess the tools that he needs to have a plan B or plan C, which is fair enough. I'm open to, you know, I, I gladly concede that. I just feel that with, when you are going back and you want to be a top three team and you're, you know, you want to win the Scudetto and you want to go all the way in the Champions, etc., which is the direction Inter want to go, 
I feel I, I don't know if I, I feel that Spalletti will take us to a certain level, but then he won't be able to take us that next step, and 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 that I feel was on display against Juventus. That's the larger point. Um, but having said that, I mean with the play with you know when you when you have to play Brozovic, when you have to play D'Ambrosio and Santon, you know he, he's done wonders. We're still undefeated, 16 games into the season, which is unbelievable. I mean, that is, that's, and, and we, we haven't conceded this little amount of goals since the 2008-2009 season. This is unbelievable work. There's no doubt about that. And like you said, this is Juventus, for crying out loud. They were in the Champions League final just a few months ago. It's a fantastic feat. But I just, I wanted Inter to, I want, for, my, for my liking, this game was too one-sided. I would have preferred... Because remember, Inter defeated under De Boer Juventus at home. So we're not that far away from them. Sure, over a course of a season, they're better than us. I just feel that we, that the, I felt that, you know, different from you guys. I felt that they were, it was a, especially in the second half, I felt that it was a massive, we were under siege. And I didn't like that. That, That's the only thing. No, I mean, the fact that we, yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's, um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I think I think your concerns about Spalletti are, are fair in that sense, but I wouldn't want to run before we can walk. You know, you know. First of true. all, let's 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 put true, let's go true. step by step. You know, let's remember that Inter finished seventh last year, and our target this year is to finish fourth fundamentally. Yeah. So, true. you know, a game like that is not ideal, but. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to criticise Spalletti. You know, all the good things that were in Inter's performance last night, because there were some good things, are his merit as well. You know, the, the, the solidity, Absolutely. the mental resilience. You know, the Absolutely. ability to stay concentrated. The, you know, so. Absolutely. Look, I mean, Absolutely. I think I think that's a fair discussion, but I wouldn't have that discussion before okay. 2019. Okay. Let's, let's let's postpone that to next season then. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, but uh, I mean, it's like you said, Handanovic, I think, said it best. The reason why our defence is so good is because of Spalletti. And that, 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 that reply after the game just says it all, really. Um, let's yeah. move on to the, to the penalty situation with Icardi. What, what do you guys think, um, Will? Is that a penalty for you? Uh, I, I, I the problem with the penalties these days is that I don't really know. I'm not sure I know what the rules are because like, okay. I, seem to, I seem to hear... You know, no, honestly, if that had been given against us, I would have been, I would have been really annoyed. Yeah. Would have been I mean, if, I think, I, I think, you know, I think it, didn't it, did it hit his knee before it hit his yeah. arm? Is that right? Because if that's I the think, case, then it's not a penalty because isn't, it, the, isn't the rule that if it, if it comes off another part of your body. Did it hit then, his knee though? Are you, uh. No, I think it hit another part of his body. I'm not sure. I think I had. If he had a part of his body, then it's absolutely not. No, maybe that's completely right. I don't. Oh, I, don't I don't really care. I just, don't, you know, what I mean, like, if we dominated them, I might be a bit more annoyed about okay. it. Okay. Well, let, let me just let me let me read from uh, the official, like the FA. Okay. Uh, okay. Right. Handling the ball. Handling the ball, ball involves a deliberate act of a player making contact with a ball with a hand or arm. The following must be considered. A. The movement of the hand towards the ball, not the ball towards the hand. The distance between the opponent and the ball, unexpected ball. The position of the hand does not necessarily mean that there is an offence. Touching the ball with an object held in the hand, clothing, shin guard, etc. is an offence. Hitting the ball with a thrown object, boot, shin guard, etc. is an offence. <laughs> 
Which is so amazing, you, by the way. You throw a rocket at it. Just... I'd like to know the guy who had <laughs> to force them to make that to create that precedent. <laughs> the goalkeeper has the same restrictions on handling the ball as any other player outside the penalty area. Inside their penalty area, the goalkeeper cannot be guilty of handling offence incurring a direct free kick or any re- uh, related sanction that can be guilty of handling offences that incur an uh, indirect free kick. Right. So basically, what, what what handling the ball means is that it's we're talking about deliberate deliberate uh, actions, and if you, and and also distance. Now, if you look at that, there is no way on earth that you can say that that's deliberate, and the distance is less than what a meter. Like there is no way you can give a penalty for that, to my, to, in my opinion. And also the natural, if you look at the way he is, he's not trying to block the ball with his arm. That's just the natural where it is. Can I just say that I've just looked I've just watched the episode again online. I, no, that's not a penalty. I would be furious if that had been given I, against me. I would his, have been his arm his arm is where you would expect his arm to be when he's sliding exactly. in to make a challenge. No. No. I, I agree. No. What about what do you say, Edo? Uh, I be the, say... be the be the geezer, be all vivid and say that, just you know, be angry. <laughs> I mean, I, the... I think it's a, an extremely cruel penalty to give. I'm sorry, no, I can't. I can't. I think it. I don't. I wouldn't have given it. I think it's. It's. He's using it. It. it he, he's falling as well. You got to consider. No. I'm, if I had been given against Inter, I mean, I will say I've seen some pretty cruel penalties go against Inter, and we know we don't seem to get any. We're getting more this year because of VAR. Thank you, VAR. Uh, but no, I. I'd feel pretty guilty winning a penalty like that. There's, there's no way you can get the VAR to intervene or something like that, though, because it's no. not a clear mistake, is it? Well, no. well, actually, well, actually, the VAR intervened. If you look at it, he was in contact with... No, no, no. No, I know, I know. I mean, you can't call a VAR review for something like that. It's obviously every single sort of, de- sort of uh, controversial incident inside the box is, is controlled by the VAR. There's a silent check, but, you know. Yeah. You can't, that, the, the, the people in the truck could never have said... To Valeri, then hang on. I think you might need to re- have a look at this again because you might think this is a pit- I think this yeah. is a clip. Rewind. Never. <laughs> <laughs> no, in my opinion, it's it's not a penalty. It's 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 a handling of the ball. But I mean, if I would have been, oh, I would have been so I would have been Mussolini from the balcony if that penalty had been given against Inter. I would have been so angry that it, that you can't even imagine because that is that is so not a deliberate act of a player making contact with the ball with a hand or arm. You cannot say that. Uh, no. to, me, that, to me, he got it right. And I think Valeri, and again, Valeri, the VAR, the level of the... We've criticised them so much throughout the season, uh, through past seasons. I think you've got to give credit where credit is due. I think the, level, the refereeing level of the Serie A has increased, like, has been raised dramatically this season. What a coincidence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, it is. It, it really feels... I, I, I think Valeri got everything spot on, except for maybe... Except for maybe not giving Pjanic the yellow card in the beginning of the game, but then after that he finds. Yeah, but he was a detail. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to you know every single yeah, yellow. I yeah. guess is quite hard to track down in it. So. Yeah, yeah. He he was very good. He he barely got anything wrong. And it was it was actually curious to to have a Juventus Inter match with with barely any kind of controversial instance or arguments. I was arguments just going to say that. I was going to say that. Didn't that feel good? Like for yeah. once, it was, it was decided game, by the you know? players. It was, it was a game of football decided Look. by the players and the coaches, and not by politics. Welcome to you know this is what we've been talking about, Juve fans. Doesn't it feel good? You know, to yeah, deserve this is your point. Serie A, not your president <laughs> moaning about Savecchio, though he'd be right about it. But yeah, 
I, I, I'm, I'm really, no, I, I'm really happy about this. I, I, I was really happy, and I hope that this is the beginning of a, of a, of a, of how the Syria is going to be. That we're not going to talk about incompetence and corruption, but we're just going to focus on the pitch. Like, and, and that, that to me is, is what I take away the most positive thing from that game on Saturday night. Um, it was good. Speaking of uh, uh, man of the matches and who was the best player uh, and, and all that against, uh, uh, against Juve on Saturday, uh, our, the, the Semperinta uh, readers have voted and they have voted for uh, uh, Samin Handanovic, 73%. Uh, as the man of the match. Who do you guys think came in second? Will? Miranda, he was excellent. Very well done. That's exactly who he was. Nine point six percent Miranda. <laughs> I would have given him more well than that, done. to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you, I mean, yeah, it, was, it was it was it was a blowout. It was a blowout victory for for some years. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose that means you were right then. He made lots of great saves. <laughs> true, true. Uh, <laughs> Milan Skriniar came in third uh, on seven yeah. and a half percent, and then it was a drop down to Borja Valero. Right, um, let's, uh, tomorrow, or, or when this podcast comes out, this evening, uh, it will be a game against Pordenone uh, in uh, the Coppa Italia, and I don't think there's really that much to say about this game, other than that Port- whoever runs Pordenone's Twitter account uh, is a... Deserves a knighthood. Deserves, uh, deserves to Legend. be promoted, deserves to be... <laughs> this guy should be hired, you know, if you guys, everyone working at the social media account, you know, and media departments all over Europe... You should hire this guy. The guy is brilliant, the talented. The, the way they've been trolling Inter online has been seriously hilarious. I say, if you don't, if you don't know it, just go check it out. The, it's been brilliant. Um, I mean, it's, the, the game against Pordenone, Will, you said last week you're looking forward to it. So by all means, go away. <laughs> Did I say I was looking forward? To, I, thought, I thought I said I was looking forward to talking about it. I well, there I you I go. <laughs> well, well no, talk no, about no, it then. I, I talk about it and then not watch no, no, it. That'd would, be amazing. I would like to bring up one thing that I think I think we may have discussed when we'd already finished the podcast last week. Nima, you said that you would almost want to lose this game. Is that right? Yes, yes. I so should, I should we talk about this? Because as far as I'm aware, the, your, the, the idea was that you don't want to face a derby just after Christmas. Is that right? Yes, I don't okay. want to do that. And well, also, put your case forward then. Yeah, I want to put my case forward. I, I want us to focus entirely on the Serie A. Uh, and also Pordenone being the little non-league team that they are. I, you see, that's the thing I love about the Cups, the National Cups, where you have these little these stories of these, uh, you know, min, uh, like these minnow teams coming in. And, you know, the FA Cup is legendary. Full, you know, it's full of these legendary FA Cup stories. I mean, to me, I, I would love to see Pordenone go through and play against Milan and maybe knock Milan out in Christmas. That would be that would be more enjoyable for me. <laughs> than, that, you know, that, that's the reason why I said that. Is I would enjoy Pordenone beating Milan in the Coppa Italia much more. Uh, to be traitor. honest, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a man, and uh, my intermorals are the same and should be the same for everyone. And I believe that we should win this game. No, Even though the Coppa Italia has been a joke for like about well, yeah. 400 decades, the because that, it has considered no, it's not the, the FA Cup, like, kids. The, the, way I, the way I look at it is that, you know, this is, this, it's a congested fixture list. Our focus is the Serie A. 
And being real, you know, as I said, I would so enjoy Pordenone beating Milan in the, in the, in, during Christmas. Much yeah, more than I would, than Inter beating them in the Coppa Italia. Honest to God. But, but, like, call me, call me mean, call me, like, whatever you want. But I would love Pordenone to beat Milan. Sorry, go. Yeah, but, Nima, there's a problem with your, with your reasoning, which is that <laughs> the, the, the chances are that if we lose to Pordenone, they will lose to Milan. If we had this, well, if course, we were hundred percent sure that Pordenone would beat Milan if they got through, then I would sign. No man, Pordenone could be uh, Milan could be pretty rubbish this season. Alessandria, so come, Alessandria come along once every ten years in Italy. You know, this is not <laughs> this is not something that happens regularly. And I think what, what, I, 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 I meant to I be like with you on Milan the, can be pretty rubbish. But yeah, it, it, yes, I but, see what your point is because. Go on, then you go. I don't know why. Go on, we'll, we'll go on. Okay. Um, no, I agree with you that. I, you know, if I had the choice, I wouldn't have a Milan derby. You know, number one, two days after Christmas, because the defeat threatens to ruin your holiday period. But more importantly, in, in Inter terms, we've got the Lazio game three games afterwards, and three days afterwards, and that is the most important game of our season so far. It's more important. Exactly. Than it is more important than the Roma game. It is more important than the Napoli game. It is more important than the derby that we won in terms of our season objective because our season objective is the four, is fourth place and to do that essentially we have to finish ahead of Lazio so if we, if we if we no no, I'm, no hang on I'm, let me finish right that doesn't mean I don't want to get through because I just worry that if we were to lose at home to Serie Cisai Pordinone that would have ramifications <laughs> that go beyond an easier fixture list that's fair enough that's fair you enough you know that's fair enough. and Spalletti said yesterday on Instagram you know, did you see that post that he, he said about how I yeah. don't like how everyone's waiting for us to lose and you're all just goofy, you know, you're, you're waiting for us to lose. And, you know, people think that uh, we, we're casting some kind of magic spell on the world that needs to be broken, but that's not the case. You know, he can't, he, if he were to then oversee an inside that lost at home to Pordenone, everything that he'd said in the last week would lose credibility. Everything he said in his press conference today, he said, we can't lose this match because it would create difficulty for the rest of our season. You know, I just worry that... I, I don't want to lose, right? We're the only team... Yeah, fair in enough, Europe, fair We're the enough. only team in Europe's top five <laughs> leagues that haven't lost an official match this season. I know we're out of Europe, so it's slightly easier than, for instance, for Barcelona or for, for Manchester City or whatever, but there's no other team in Europe's top five leagues that have not lost an official match. We haven't lost since July. I don't want to, I don't want to break that against Pod Dinone because I worry that that might make us draw with Udinese on Saturday. You know, we, we just have to get through and take our punishment. And if we go out to... To Gattuso, then we'll just write it off as a bad Christmas dream after too much, you know, mulled wine, and we'll forget about it. <laughs> we'll just have to move on, okay? We know. I don't want to. All right, all right. You've convinced me. All right. You've convinced me. You've convinced me. You've convinced me. I, I just wanted to have a calm Christmas, and I wanted to. No. Uh, <laughs> and also no. the fact, the fact, as I said, the very idea that Pordenone could beat Milan and Inter. Especially, I mean, that is, that is, it's funny, you know, you got, you know it's, it's <coughs> yes, funny. Yes, but Inter losing to Pordenone and then Milan beating Pordenone, he's not very funny. And no, that's that probably is not what funny. That is not funny. <laughs> probably, yeah. Okay, you're right. You convinced me. You convinced me. You convinced me. Win. Just got to have Fair faith enough. in Caramo and Cancelo and Ranocchi. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. That's, that's another thing. I want to see, I really want us to play like all these players that haven't played. I want to see. Well, he's Palermo. confirmed. He's He's confirmed six of them. He's, he's confirmed six of his starting eleven. Spalletti. He said that Padelli will play. Palet. Uh, okay, hang on. Padelli, Ranocchia, Dalbert, Eder, Cancelo, Caramo. They're all starting. There is no way we're going to lose this game. <laughs> like, I mean, there, this is just not going to happen. I mean, 
those those players are all dying to show how good they are, and, and yeah. there's just and we're at home, yeah. so there's no way we're going to lose this game. I just, no. I don't know. I just you were, I, I, the thing is, I, my, a little part of my reasoning was also this. The the more we avoid defeat, the closer we get to that first defeat. And I'd so you'd rather, you'd, you'd rather spend that first defeat in the cup, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, rather than the city out. That's what I mean, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather lose to Pordenone than to Lazio, in all honesty. I, I, would, I, would, almost, I would be behind this, this kind of um, uh, argument if we were away to Torino or something, where it's kind of... We shouldn't have lost that, but I can get over it. I just, I just don't think we could get over all the, all the insults and the mocking and the laughter that we'd get if we lost at home to Portugal. <laughs> okay, fine, mm-hmm. fair enough. Okay, now you won like, me so over. So you won me okay. over. You won me I over. I can see defeat. I'm, we, I'm, I'm waving the white flag. You won. <laughs> you won the Spalletti <laughs> criticism, and I've won the <laughs> No, I would okay. just like to say one thing about Padelli, if, if you don't have anything to say about. Um, Go for it. Uh, before we move on, just the fact that I'm quite like—I I don't particularly rate him as a goalkeeper. I'm looking forward to him making his debut because he's been an Interista all his life. You know, he was really mm. excited when he signed for Inter because he came from a family of Interisti. And when he did his interview in Riscone di Brunico with with Inter TV to have his to have some first sort of degree of interaction with the fans, he got out this picture on his phone of a Gianluca Pagliuca figurine, but like a you know like a Panini sticker. And he had he, he had photoshopped it to put his head on Paluka's body. <laughs> his dream, become, his dream as a ten-year-old boy, was to play in goal for Inter. And I just think that's wonderful. And what's even is better wonderful. is that he was on the Drive Inter show that they're doing on Inter TV, which was brilliant. Firstly, because they got him to they got him to dress up as um, a cowboy because he's a big fan of Western films, which is very amusing. But more than that, they got they they got they recorded a video message from Paluca saying, "So Daniele, I hear that you've been tampering with one of my stickers. That's a very <laughs> naughty thing you've done there. I wouldn't do it again if I were you. Please don't do it again." And he was further embarrassed. So I, I hope um, he does well. I, I, I mean, when I hear Padelli, I think of the, the own goal that he scored against Torino against Empoli a couple of years ago, where he sort of passed the ball into his own net, which yeah. was really humiliating. But I, I, I hope he does well. I hope he's not he's not attached to the greatest humiliation in Inter's history, which I repeat is what this a defeat in this match would be. <laughs> All right, I give up. No need to rub it in. <laughs> right, let's move on to a little bit more a game that really is that I'm that I'm really uh, that, that could really be a tricky game for me. This Udinese is one of those trap teams that can really ruin your season, uh, home and away, especially away, but. Uh, it's on Saturday night, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, we're playing them away. No, we're playing at home. It's it's on Saturday afternoon, and we're at home. Yeah, we're at home. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's, it's Saturday at uh, at 3 p.m. Uh-huh. Uh, CET. We're playing at home against Udinese. But this is this is for me a, a, a typical like bogey team that can really you know where they where they are in the league does, does not matter at all because they they can really destroy make life really difficult for you. Uh, I'm, 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 this, is, this is the game I'm nervous about, uh, and I don't like the fact that we're playing on a Saturday despite playing uh, on Tuesday in the Coppa Italia. Um, I, I don't know, what are your thoughts on this, Will? Uh, well, firstly, I think the reason that we're playing on the Saturday afternoon is because Udinese themselves are in the Coppa Italia next Tuesday. They're away to Napoli, so ah, that okay. might be why they've moved the game. Um, because I think um, Napoli have got the five o'clock game on Saturday, and they're playing obviously on Tuesday as well, so I think that's why. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, what, it's definitely a harder game than it would have been a month ago because Udinese have, have given themselves a bit of a bounce with this manager change. They, they, they sacked Del Neri probably about a month too late and they brought in Massimo Oddo, who has finally picked up his first two wins in Serie A as a coach because he had 25 attempts with Pescara and he didn't manage it in 25 attempts last season. But he's, uh, he's come in and he's made them a bit more solid. He's, he's switched them to a back three. He's got Kevin Lasagna up front, who scored us, who <laughs> scored for Carpi when yeah. we were with Mancini. Kevin Lasagna, by the way, who is an Interista, so that's mm. nice. Um, not very nice when he scored against us, but still. Um, they've got Maxi Lopez. I'm sure Mauro Ricardo will be pleased to see him up front. Um, but I think the, the, if we're going to talk about this in, in the sense of it being a trap game, the problem is going to be their three central midfielders who were their biggest source of goals because Udinese don't have many goals from their strikers but they have a lot of goals from their central midfielders they've got uh, they've got Yank Tofofana and Barak who are all very dangerous so we're going to have to be careful with being hit on the break because this is I agree this is this is a mm, I don't know it's a game I expect us to win and if we don't win well, there'll be no excuses but it's I don't know there's, it's, there's the potential there particularly the Yank sort I love Yankto. I remember when he was in yeah. Serie B and I fell in love with him. He scored. There's, there's a goal he scored for Ascoli, which was very similar to the goal that Stankovic scored against Schalke in the Champions League. The keeper, when, he, when the keeper headed the ball out and he volleyed it in with his wrong foot from about 50 yards. And from that moment, I, he was my favourite. And we've been following, actually. We've been, yeah, we're, we're linked with him. We're linked yeah. with him. Uh, the, problem, the problem is that he wants to go to the Premier League because... Uh, he said so That's on where the money two, or, two or three different occasions. <laughs> <laughs> he scored for them last week, Udinese, and he was asked about these rumours that he wasn't very happy at Udinese. And he said, my agent tells me that I need to be concentrated on Udinese, which is a really weak way of saying I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Right, Edo, uh, well, what do you think? Uh, I, uh, I don't like Udinese. They're, they're a trap team, and I'm not comforted at all by what Will just said. In fact, he made me more nervous. Comfort me, Edo. <laughs> well, it would have been a lot more entertaining if Gigi Del Neri had still been there just to have us play against the Friulano team on the Wednesday and then go and play the, the incomprehensible dialect of Del Neri. I'm pretty sure that the reason why he got fired was because his players could not understand it. It's like, there she's sort of, It's like, what? Like, the amount of videos of him on YouTube of him just talking absolute bollocks because you have no idea. And it's amazing. He was with <laughs> Beritza. And it's like, right, Stipe, 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 He was basically teaching him Friulano. And I was thinking, no, start with the bloody basics. Speak Italian to him. Like, he's not from here. Like, what are you doing? You, oh, never mind. Anyway, yeah, and I would have loved it because, yeah, his management style is clearly just sort of not up there. He would have been a bit of a retread. And with Oddo, yeah. You don't know. With Yanto, you don't know. It's more of a trap game if we played there, I'd say. So, yeah. to be honest, yeah, you're expecting us to do well. Yeah, this okay, is the... well, yeah. sorry, sorry, go, go, go. I was going to say, this is the kind of game that I'm slightly less nervous with. Uh, slightly nervous about with, uh, with Spalletti, because, uh, you know, he doesn't... Uh, all he... right, all right, all, all right. right. You guys, I give up then again. Okay, you win. Okay, we're going to win. 5-0. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I just said I'm less nervous than I would have been in the past. But that doesn't mean I'm not nervous. Okay, well, considering that... I mean, you guys are really happy and I'm not going to shit on your parade. So, okay. <laughs> so, you know... No, no, I'm not, I, I respect that when, when people are happy. You know, just I'll smile with you and wave like the Queen does in a chariot. 
Um, so just tell me, what uh, predictions and scorers? Will go. Well, three 0 to Udinese. If that'll make you happy. No, I would be. <laughs> it's not a patriot name, but that's your problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a traitor. Yeah. Um, right, no, seriously, uh, let me think. I will say 3-1. And I think... Okay. Uh, do you need... Uh, well, I, I've mentioned Yankta, so I'll start have to say that Yankta scored for, scores for Udinese. And for us, uh, Icardi will get two because he never scores one without scoring a second. And then uh, he'll get the third one. Maybe an own goal. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Edo? Yeah, I think 3 1 sounds reasonable. Icardi double, and yes, Grinier, because we still need to find an alternative scorer to Icardi, and Perisic is playing very on and off at the moment. Um, yeah, that's why when we were talking with David Amoyal about Mercato, we could talk about it next week, but I wouldn't have minded Pastore because he's the kind of guy who can actually oh, be at number 10. Tell me about it, tell me about it. But no more Mercato, yeah, but, but yeah, uh, he'd have been an alternative. I still prefer us to play. Borja Gaglia and uh, and uh, Mati Vecino but you know if you could have a because Pastore gets injured too so he won't be there every week uh, no and yeah you right. need you, you kind of need a, a, a sort of second because or otherwise I don't know give Eder a game in the hole or something I don't know but. right um, I'm going to continue I was thinking of changing my prediction because you guys have been so positive and I feel like I can fly. I feel like Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly. I want to dance now that you guys are so positive. You filled me with your positive energy. But no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this, um, with this uh, Grinch mode. 1-1, <laughs> I think, Yangto and Icardi. I, I, this, this, this Odo, I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't like this game. I really don't like this game. It's a gut feeling. I can't explain it. No, that's fine. Um, I, I, have that, I, have that, I, have, I have that very often. I have that very often as yeah. well. So 1-1. Yeah. So, uh, Unfortunately, I, th- I think 1-1, Icardi and Yankto. Uh Right. Uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, uh, and criticize someone or something in, heavily in the world of football, starting with the Frog of the Week, which will be presented by Mr. Will Beckman. Well, seeing as the theme of this podcast has been me pissing Nima off by the sounds of things, I'm going to continue, <laughs> I'm going to continue on that because um, this, this, this might be a bit unpopular because some people have enjoyed watching it, but um, the Frog of the Week is Inter's Christmas song, which will be sung against Udinese oh on God. Saturday afternoon. Oh my God! Would you like me to sing it for you? No, please don't. Okay, please I'll, don't. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just say some of the words for you. Inter bells, inter bells, nerazzurri o lei, a Natale i nostri cuori cantano per te. Okay, I'm, and I've, I've got sick rising in my throat already, so I'll stop there. But I'm, basically, I'm the, the um, in the fetal position right now. <laughs> it's the most cringeworthy thing. Like the, what scares me the most is that there are people out there who actually find this funny and think this is good. Like, that, that's what... Uh, sorry, go, go. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't have much else to say. I was just going to pick up... I was just going to pick up two very evocative images from, uh, yeah, from go, the go video, for it, for it. which is... Uh, which got an awful amount of... Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Attention on Instagram. I noticed that within an hour of them having posted this on their Instagram profile, there were 2,000 comments <laughs> underneath it, which I think were mostly... 
people just tagging their friends so that they could have a laugh together, like most people <laughs> under funny videos. But um, no, there were two images that really, well, actually three now I've thought about it. The first one is uh, there's, a, there's an excellent part where uh, Kandreva has got a tambourine and Borja's oh got maracas, <laughs> and they look unbelievably awkward, which was great. Uh, you've got Nagatomo singing a solo quite well, actually, but I'm pretty sure that that wasn't the first take. It would have taken a long, long time to get that verse correct, I think. Yeah, um, making mistakes. Who knew? Yeah, if only I'm we could. Not, if only we could do retakes with his performances on the exactly. pitch. Then, Guys, then I'm not a music expert, but Nagatomo's voice is auto-tuned to shit. Listen to it again, if you yeah, can. Yeah, it was. Without... No, they're all auto-tuned. They're all auto-tuned. Ed as well. Was, um, oh my god. Uh, the third one, the one that the best thing though, that if you know, if if this video is is being treated as you know, pure evil. There's one positive image that came from it, and that was Spalletti the conductor with his gleeful smile. I thought he yeah. looked just That was good. Perfect. That was perfect. He that looked was perfect. so happy to be there. And it was, I just thought it was a great image as well, because he, is, he has been the conductor of this team for the yeah. last five yeah. months. Yeah. He's got them all under his spell. They're all following his every word. They're singing off his hymn sheet. Yeah. So, uh, no, so we can yeah. move on now if you don't want to talk about it. But that's this week's. No, it, I, I just, it, I just want to. My, my reply to that is what I tweeted out. Oh dear Lord, how do I unsee this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there was um, there was one other frog that I just, it's just come to me. Yes, yes, yeah. go for it. I know um, what you're going to say, and that's what I wanted to bring up as a go for it. Yeah, go. Do you? Okay. Uh, well, this was the first weekend in Serie A that uh, in which. Uh, hang on, I need to get this stat right. It's the first weekend in Serie A since the 1965-66 season that Juventus, Napoli, Roma and Inter have all been involved in nil-nil draws on the same weekend. Uh, and it's yeah. the first time since 1986 that the top four drew nil-nil in the same weekend. And just to give you a bit of perspective, in that, seri- in that season in 1986, one of the top four teams was Como, who are now somewhere in... Seiji, just because just it, it was a very strange weekend of, of where there were no goals didn't in Napoli, the Didn't Napoli win in 86? Uh, no, they won in 89, didn't they, in 88? I think that was just before. No. Was it about 66? No, 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 86. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the Scudetto, 86. I, don't think it was, I, thought it was, I thought it was late 80s. I thought it was 89. Or did they win? Maybe no, Inter, Inter, Inter won 89. That's the oh, yeah, they won. Record. Inter won 89. Yeah. Napoli won 19... Yeah. I have a look, hang on. Um, yeah. No, the reason... I was, I was going to talk about Fabio Caressa. Is that what you thought I was going to talk about? Because... No, no, okay. I'm, I'm going to talk... I was, I was going to talk about North Korea. Oh, the fact that, oh, yes. The fact that one... Uh, the fact that apparently it has emerged that during his young and wild days, North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un used to frequent the San Siro and fell in love with Inter. And <laughs> apparently is an Inter You know what's... <laughs> <laughs> which is created, which is, I don't know, which is, which is reported in English by Calcio Mercato. And if you see the comments to that, I, I don't... I cried with laughter. Cause <laughs> no, I didn't see them. <laughs> like, sorry. What's, no, just before we go back to what I was going to say, what makes that so funny is that I remember a couple of years ago there were rumours that Trump was interested in buying a share in Inter. Just yeah, imagine if... Yeah, just, yeah. He wouldn't have yeah. been an Inter fan anymore if, if Trump... Had well, you see, the thing, is, the thing is, I think maybe if, if Trump had bought a share, because I remember those rumours, 
if Trump had bought a share in Inter, maybe they could have united in their love for Inter and averted nuclear war. So now, what you're saying is maybe you. Inter could have <laughs> saved the world. <laughs> exactly. Inter could have saved the world. Inter then we, would, the world. we really would have had a definitive response <laughs> to the good versus evil war with Juventus. They would have had to exactly. have given in. Exactly. No. Exactly. Well, what I was going to say is kind of unimportant given when you put it in quite that perspective. <laughs> but no, the thing is that they were talking last night about how this was a, this was a retro Serie A weekend with lots of nil-nil draws. And, and Caressa, the, the presenter of, of their, their Sunday night show, decided the best way to symbolise this was to bring on a wig and wear a wig while they were talking through the weekend football. A massive blonde 70s wig. Why? To symbolise that Serie A has gone back to the 1970s. Thankfully, he didn't wear it for the whole... Go on my Twitter account. I tweeted a picture of it last night. He he had a wig and he had a a telephone that he got from his props department. The telephone was supposedly Paolo Valenti's telephone because he used to present Novantesimo Minuto like back in the 70s. And this is his way of symbolising... Said he had gone back in time 40 years. And there's a, there's a certain oh point where God. he picked up the telephone and pretended to, to talk to the producers with the telephone. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I don't, nobody could take him seriously. It was, it was, um, it was terrible. But... Um, <sighs> well, I mean, given the... That, that's cringe as well. Like, it was. Is that, is that like... I mean, it's like... Is that maybe the difference of culture, I guess, from Northern Europe and Southern Europe? Because <laughs> maybe... maybe No, but like, seriously, like, they, like, we just have different senses of humor, I guess, because... When people find the interbell thing funny, I wanna I wanna die. Like, as I, I I vomited. Like, it was it was so cringeworthy in my opinion. So, and then you see when you tell me this, I'm cringing again without having seen it. So well, I'm thinking in maybe fairness, it's a cultural thing. But in fairness, none of the others in the on the show were finding it funny. They could. You know, that was Dimitri Alberti, <laughs> Albertini was sat next to him. You know, he's had a career. He's he sort of had a career in like politics, and he's, he's involved in in the Fiji tea and whatnot. And he was like. What show have I agreed to come on this evening? You're sat there with a blonde wig talking to me about the <laughs> Derby d'Italia. <laughs> oh dear Lord! Yeah, that was um, that was uh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely gonna check that out. Yeah, um, um, right. Nap- Napoli won in '87. Juventus won in '86. Just to be, just ah, have a look. Okay. Okay. '86, '87. Yeah, nice one. Um, so uh, right, uh, let's move on to uh, slightly more. Um, uh, p- positive thing uh, uh, with uh, this week's uh, Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Eduardo Dalmonte. Oh my God, he is beautiful! He is beautiful! Yeah! Well, here we go. Um, okay, I want to say two things. Spalletti, uh, for simply saying after the game. People are expecting us to lose. They're expecting us to turn back into that ugly duckling. And we haven't. And I love that sentence so much. I love him so much. <laughs> um, what you were saying about North Korea earlier, there is a truth to that in the sense that because we get the feeling that maybe the media is not on our side, and I don't think it's a feeling. I think there is a lot to that. We, are, yeah. we tend to defend Inter a bit too much. Or at least we, I say, Interisters in general. Yeah. Uh, I imagine that we could also be guilty of that. Um, that said, I think that Spalletti, if it keeps going like this, he can just start wearing a white robe and we can all join his cult and we can all literally <laughs> drink. I will do it. Man. I, and I feel stupid for not believing in him more. I, I, I kind of did believe in him. Like, but, so we were ending podcasts last season by saying, we're not going to get Simeone and Conte, we're going to get Spalletti. 
And yeah. I agree. We all yeah. agreed to that. And that was seen yeah. as a bad thing. Uh, yeah. I thought about it over the summer. I sort of bought myself around to the idea. And now I just feel like a fool. I feel like a fool because... Oh, it's just a and the second thing... I, I, agree, I agree with you. What I feel the exact same way. Honest to God. Um, Lead yeah, us. Go if you had to tell us to yeah. sacrifice a virgin tomorrow, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. If, if that virgin is... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't finish that sentence, please. Right. No, I, 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 yeah. but I'll start another one. I want to yeah. defend Interpol's only... To, it is dreadful. Interpol's? It's not Interpol. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well be called Hello, Mr. Floyd. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Floyd. Thank you, Edo. Interpol's, yeah, Interpol's, yeah. You want to wow. defend Interpol's, yeah. Inter- <laughs> we can start calling it Interpol's because, yeah. It so was I, yeah. When is the bomb go bit? Is that about... How far in is it? Is it about 40 which, seconds in? Which bit? The bongos. So, Kendraver and Borja. Oh, oh, that was about five seconds in. It's, it's a tambourine and maracas. It's not... Right, okay. It's Congo. <laughs> I can't even remember that. He's down in the Congo. I bet Nagaton. And so, Nagaton is getting... Oh, it's, it's, oh, it's before that. It's about a second. It's not very long. It's near the start. It's near the start. Okay. Yeah, it's very short, thankfully. <laughs> that just reminds me of the best <laughs> joke that I heard last season. When you mentioned... It is dreadful. Artistic merit, no such thing. It's, at least it's A, attention, publicity, yeah, because all I hear from true. people about Inter is, oh my God, they're unbeaten. And before then it was, you haven't done anything since 2010. I've not heard of you or from you since 2010. So that's good. And B, it does remind me a bit of those terrible, terrible FA Cup songs that used to get released all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tottenham are going up to where... Oh my God, stop it, please, please. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know... Oh, wow. Will, why do you hate me, Will? Why do you hate me? I don't know. I don't think I'll be on this podcast again. <laughs> yes, you will be. But don't hate me. Don't make me kill myself. Oh, God. No, Inter's social media program uh, profile has been excellent, though. There was, they've done Absolutely. some very good reviews. They did a brilliant one that's gone today. I don't know where it's come from, but I just saw this video on, in, on, on the internet of uh, Gagliardini, Nagatomo, and someone else saying... Happy Christmas, Milan. And then it cuts to Skriniar, who wags his finger and goes, No, no, Auguri Inter. Which I thought was very interesting. Which is brilliant. No, we I just, own yeah. the city. We do. Yep. I just remembered that when you said Inter balls, that might be the best joke that I had last season, which was, uh, which was to do with the derby that we threw away. I'm not going to go back oh. to that. But <laughs> it was so, purely said in his interview afterwards that Milan got back into the game because of uh, due palle in native, and somebody replied, <laughs> "Si, le sue." Uh, <laughs> which it doesn't well, really translate. Translate. Really translate. Well. Yeah, it's like well, well palle in native is a dead ball situation that people say, "Yeah, it was it was your dead balls. You didn't have the courage to keep us playing. You didn't have the courage to keep <laughs> us with a back four. You moved to a back five. You invited Milan onto us, and That's and we brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that was very yeah. amusing. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's uh, move on to uh, the slightly more negative part of the show, this week's uh, Moji, which I'll be presenting myself. (laughs) Well, ahead of the Derby d'Italia, a journalist... or uh, is he a journalist, Will? I mean, what, what does he do? Uh, I know that he doesn't. He? I know that he doesn't work for officially for Juventus TV, but he was appearing on Juventus TV. His name is Sandro yeah. Pelo, and I think he's head yeah. of uh, 
Comunicazione Bianco Nero. He's, he's some kind of communications person, but I don't think it's actually... He's not their, P, he's not their PR officer. He's not actually officially no. working for Juve. He's working no. for something that's pro-Juve. I don't know, but he was definitely yeah. on Juventus yeah. TV. Who knew that yes, Juve no. had hired other companies to, like, spin images for? Like, who, <laughs> why would they need that? I don't understand. This is fabulous people, like, you know, honestly. Yeah. He's Great probably got a passport. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Now, so basically, this guy, uh, Pelot, went on Juventus TV ahead of a very high-risk game where, you know, in the past there's been a lot of clashes between the fans and says that he wants to, and I quote, erase Inter from the planet. Now, of all the other disgusting things he said about sewers and Inter belong in the sewers and I hope that they, you know, go back to being shit again and all that, that's, that's just classless. But to me, when you go on a TV show and you uh, ahead of a, such an important game and ahead of a game that is so there is so much historical vitriol and hatred between these two sides uh, and say that you want to erase one team away from from the face of the earth that's borderline inciting vi- uh, uh, violence and that this comes on Juve TV with the presenters which is Juventus official channel let's not be unclear about that and the hosts all giggling like, you know, like little, little school children yeah. and said something naughty. That is the most dis- disturbing thing I've seen in a very long time. You would never see this in, in any other top four, top five league. You might see this in some top, thir- you know, the 35th league in Europe between two sides, some back alley derby. But you don't, this is so, so stupid. And I'm really happy because I've, I've I've been reading reports that nothing no 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 serious clashes occurred uh, this past uh, this past thank thankfully yeah. because despite his nothing, best efforts despite his best efforts nothing happened and to me without a shadow of a doubt this this sort of statement is just does not belong uh, in 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 football and uh, thankfully and so the, this week's moji goes to Mr. Pelot for his ridiculous statements inciting uh, trying to make a situation that's already heated even worse well said and well said Spalletti as well who, who when he was he was yeah. when he did, when he discussed this in his press conference he said you know it's not Inter fans that it needs to, to apologize to it's people who had to who've been forced to live in sewers and, and other um, um, similar habitats you know who have now been um, uh, what's the word I don't know sort of mocked or, or made a light yeah. made a light of yeah yeah I agree Right, uh, this was um, uh, another Studio Inter X, uh, XL that uh, we, re- we recorded. Uh, we always try to keep them a bit shorter, but we had so much to talk about that uh, we went, uh, we, we did an extra large one again. Um, I'd like to, uh, if you like, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Eduardo for coming on. And I'd like to thank uh, Will as, as well, as always, a pleasure. Au revoir. <laughs> And if you like, uh, if you like uh, Studio Inter, we'd be very happy if you uh, rated us on iTunes, uh, hit subscribe. And next week, we're joined by Serie A commentator Marco Palmieri, where we'll be doing a, uh, our, we'll be doing a season review, a mid-season review, as well as uh, discussing a little bit more our personal choices, re, uh, Mercato, etc., uh, etc. Et so until next week, uh, sempre e solo, forza Inter. Oh, my God.